Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. Hey Amarillo is sponsored this week by Lazy Boy Home Furnishings here in Amarillo. You know Lazy Boy as a national brand. But some of its stores are independently owned and operated, and the one here in town is owned by the Hawkins family, who live right here in Amarillo. Almost everything they sell is American-made, and it's a lot more than just recliners. This week, Lazy Boy has Black Friday specials that extend all the way into early December, including additional in-store discounts and special financing. Visit Amarillo's locally-owned Lazy Boy Home Furnishings today at 3636 Sonsi. Today's guest is Angela Workman. Angela is the owner of Ant Eek's Books and Curiosities, which is a fun little bookstore and antique shop on 6th Street. Now, Angela is not new to the antiques business or even to a shop on 6th, but Ant Eek's is a relatively new storefront. She opened it during the height of the pandemic in 2020, and it has since become one of my favorite places on that historic stretch of Old Route 66. And since opening, Angela has gotten involved in all kinds of events and activities in the San Jacinto neighborhood. She's a really big part uh, of that stretch of Route 66. So in this conversation, she tells her story about how she had to move away from Amarillo in order to really find herself. And then once she did, she moved back and started investing in this community. So here's Angela Workman. Angela Workman, welcome to the Hey Amarillo podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. I'm excited to have you here. I I know that a lot of people have heard of Ant Eeks and know about your shop on 6th Street, and maybe they've encountered you but may not know you know the full story of who you are or why you've opened this cool little shop. And uh, So I wanted to dig into that history. Um, so I will start with you the same place I started uh, with all of my guests up to this point and ask you why you're here. What okay. brought you to Amarillo in the first place? Well, I was born and raised in Amarillo, actually right outside of Amarillo in Rolling Hills. Okay. Um, so I went to Rolling Hills and Willow Vista and River Road um, growing up, and that was odd for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting neighborhood because it's kind of rural still, but it's still connected to Amarillo. and It is. And um, I was a very shy child, very, very shy. Like, I don't know that I spoke to more than my family for the first six years of my life. Um, oh, I did have one friend across the street, but then she moved away. So we went to church at San Jacinto Methodist Church, okay. which is right on the corner of Tennessee and 6th Avenue. And um, so that's the the church I grew up in. We went there my entire life. So all my friends were really church friends mm-hmm. growing up, and they all lived in town. And so it was either... I had to go into town to be with them, or they had to come out here, but their parents didn't like to drive in the country, so it was always me having to go to town. So, um, and I didn't really fit in with the the kids at River Road. I was a little odd, I guess. <laughs> so, you know, I wasn't into Western things, and mm-hmm. I don't know, the things that rural kids are into, dirt bikes, and I don't know, things like that. So, um, so I was always just a little odd. On top of being shy and being odd, mm-hmm. I had very low self-esteem as a child. My parents, I had a decent relationship with my parents. I won't say it's great, um, just because my family was not like 
an emotional family. Okay. You know. <laughs> I think a lot very... of people would understand that. <laughs> yes, they were, everything is compartmentalized. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, there wasn't a lot of hugging and telling me they loved me and things like that, which I'm over now. But <laughs> uh, I guess, but I'm still bringing it up, so maybe I'm not. Um, <laughs> well, we can talk about that here if you would like to. <laughs> but, um, so I think on top of being shy and reclusive, I was also like craving attention. Mm-hmm. And, um, just, you know, I, I, I wanted that someone to love me, like outwardly, emotionally, visibly love me. So I got married when I was 17. Wow. Okay. Yes. Um, just to get in and that was a terrible mistake <laughs> that did not turn out the way I wanted it. And this to. is a place where people get married earlier than a lot of other places. I got married at 21, but yes. 17 is still really yes. early. It was, and my parents did not like the guy at all, but yet they still had to sign a paper that said that I could marry him, so they did, so I don't know. (laughs) I guess they just thought I needed to do what I needed to do, so I married him. We moved to, uh, first we moved to New Orleans, where he had a friend that we were supposed to live with and all this, and that fell through, so we ended up living in a car uh, for four months while I was pregnant. In the summer in uh, in New Orleans, which is miserable yeah. anyway, but living in a car, it's even worse. And then we moved to Dallas, where his dad lived. Um, and I loved Dallas. I loved being in the city. You know, I loved riding buses because <laughs> because they had reliable uh, transportation to get everywhere, and I loved that. And just you know, being able to do all the things that that city life has that Amarillo didn't at the time. Um, I worked at a bar in Deep Ellum, and uh, that was a lot of fun, mm-hmm. you know, for me, being the strange little goth girl that I was. <laughs> so uh, we did that. Eventually, that came to an end, and I moved back to Amarillo with my daughter, uh, Anastasia, who now okay. works with me at the store, and she's fantastic. How long ago was that? Um, that was in, like, 91. Okay. And then in... 1996, I had my second child, Sebastian, and his dad and I were partners in a little antique booth at the Nat. And then that grew into another booth at the um, Route 66 Antique Mall. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the lady who owned that decided to retire, and so I ended up buying that from her. So from... 1996 to 2006, I was in the antique business okay. with, with my partner. And when that all dissolved, the personal and the business side of that, I moved to Los Angeles. All right. Because, you know, when you make a change, you just... That's a big change. You need, you know, sometimes you just need to make a break from everything yeah. and become who you really wanted to be. So that's what I did. And uh, so for five years, I lived in... LA. Did you have like a job opportunity there or did uh, you just no. go there kind of blind and say, I just I'm going to... loaded up my stuff, sold most of my stuff, loaded up the few things that I kept and went on my way. Hmm. No plan whatsoever. <laughs> and uh, and that that's a, you weren't like a, a teenager or no, somebody in their I young was... 20s. You were a full-fledged adult <laughs> with business and grown children and like you'd been through all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was an odd time to like 
have a rebellious teenage moment, but Mm -hmm. I did it. And uh, there are good things and bad things that came out of it. I met some of the most phenomenal people I have ever met in my life that like changed my life um, and had some really great experiences, some really odd experiences and some really terrible experiences. Mm. But, you know, that's what life is about, learning things. When I look back on it, I think I loved every minute of it. At the time, there were things that were like, oh, this is never going to get better, you know. <laughs> but it was fantastic. What kind of work did you end up finding there? Um, I got a job at World Market. Okay. And um, so I started out, I was working. They hired me to be an overnight stalker. So okay. I worked 11 to 7. And just like, you know, put out things. Put the hot sauce yeah. bottles on yes, the shelves. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then within like a month, I think the the kind of manager of the overnight things retired or left, quit, whatever. Just probably didn't show up one day because that's kind of how retail is, you know. And so I became the supervisor of the overnight team, which I was for three years. And then I went to being a like a daytime person, which is a hard, hard thing to do when you're used to being overnight. Yeah. And then you go to like life transition. It is. I mean, it, it really is (laughs) that once you get on a nighttime schedule, yeah, it's, it's hard to transition back into being a daytime person, but it worked out. And, uh, I still love going to world market, but I still, to this day, if they, call a service one, I'm like, start to head to the register. I'm like, oh, that's... <laughs> Even while you're yeah. shopping there, <laughs> yeah. you, you get triggered by It's not by me. The... Yeah. <laughs> I do. And I, I'm constantly like rotating wine bottles when I'm in there. Mm-hmm. But, um, they probably appreciate that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you probably just think I'm some weirdo. But um, yeah, I loved it. I learned a lot working there. Um, you know, kind of when I went into the antiques business, I had worked in retail and restaurants and things like that but I'd never really been a supervisor mm-hmm. and learned all of the back office things right so I wasn't real good at the paperwork part of of owning a store back then this time around <laughs> I'm doing much better I know a lot more about that kind of stuff I'm not gonna say I know all of it because I don't but but it did give me a, a lot of experience to go into this business again when, when I eventually did. Yeah. When, when did you, like, when did the LA experiment come to an end for you? And, uh, and how did you know that it was time to do something else? I really just, like, I was missing my family. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't miss Amarillo really that much, but I missed my family. And my parents were getting older and I thought, you know, I really want to move back. I would hate for something to happen to either one of my parents. And you still had a good relationship with them? We had a... Despite... Getting married so early and, and some of that. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, it's been off and on. But now I have a fantastic relationship with my mom. My dad passed away. But before he did, um, we became much closer after I moved back. Um, he loved my kids so much. Mm-hmm. And he was so excited to be a grandpa. And he was a very good grandpa to them. So that brought us a lot closer together. Um, so, Yeah. I wanted to come back and be with them. What and year was that you came back? 2011. Here? Okay. And I didn't really have a plan when I moved back either. <laughs> I do a lot of not planning in my life. <laughs> I just do things. So um, I guess I'm very spontaneous like that, which is either good or bad. Was there a culture shock 
coming back to Amarillo from L.A.? I mean, you'd lived in Dallas, you'd lived in New Orleans. I mean, all those places are very different. L.A. is real different from, from here. It is real different. I'm going to say the I miss the weather more than anything and the, just the fact that there's flowers and trees all mm-hmm. the time, like every day. I remember the first year I was there, on Christmas Day, I was looking out my window and there were hummingbirds on the birds of paradise plants. And I thought, yeah. wow, this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but... um. Yeah, there was there was a culture shock. I didn't I don't think I left my house really. I didn't really go out much. I moved back like New Year's Eve 2011. Okay. And went out New Year's Eve night, you know, to R&R, what you do. And uh that was like the last time I went out for like 2 years. Wow. <laughs> I was like that's enough. <laughs> there was too many people, too much, you know, all at once. Like the first day I was back, I was like, "Oh, I don't want to get back into that." But then eventually did and uh it's just so weird coming back and and you know i had felt like i had changed so much mm-hmm. over those five years and then you come back and it's like oh you're still exactly the same you know some people never really change well because they don't <laughs> yeah i mean the, the people you knew in the past didn't probably know all those things and so they're just going based on right new and then you're feeling like you're in a, a new place all of a sudden. exactly and it's it's one of those things like they probably thought wow you've you're so weird now or so not weird now or so whatever you know so different than you were but i don't know maybe they didn't think i was different at all <laughs> do, do you feel like there was an element of getting out of amarillo i mean having grown up here and grown up in the river road area um leaving Amarillo in order to really find yourself because if you're different, that can sort of be stifling, yes. you know, in some communities here. So it was, was that part of your, like your personal journey to yes. leave that behind and then you could kind of become who you yes. really are. And I was really kind of nervous at first moving to LA because I was like, you know, you, you see all these movies and television shows and everything. And it's like everybody in LA is beautiful and they really are. It's like you walk down the street and it's like, wow, everyone is beautiful. And I was like, I'm just going to be like this homely little mutt walking down the street. But it's weird because when you get there, everyone was so friendly. Like, I don't know if everyone would say that, but everyone I met was super friendly. And, you know, I'm one of those people that I guess I make eye contact with people. So they talk to me. So Mm -hmm. like every time I got on a bus, somebody would start talking to me and tell me their entire life story. So I collected so many stories and I love that. Like I love listening to people's stories and, uh, it was just, it was so great just meeting all these different people from all different walks of life. And, uh, (laughs) like the funniest thing was just knowing that there's so many different cultures out there Mm -hmm. that I had no idea about growing up in Amarillo. I mean, there, there was like little Ethiopia, you know, and that I lived right by. And it was all Ethiopian people, which their culture was so amazing to me, you know, because it was everywhere. And here, I know we have people from everywhere, but they seem so far away. You have to be really intentional to end up in that community. (laughs) Exactly. And and in LA, they're just everywhere. Um, So it was, I, I tried a lot of different foods that I had never tried. I met a lot of different people that I never would have met, you know. In Amarillo, I don't think so. And so you you come back here and you've brought all of that experience with you. How did that sort of inform what you ended up doing? 
you know, over the next 10 years? Because that was 10 years ago. So, yes. so what have, what have those last 10 years looked like? Well, I think the, the main thing that being in LA instilled in me was a lot of confidence. Like okay. I got a lot more confidence. I was able to talk to people for the first time really ever. I mean, even when I had my antique store before, I was kind of still just, you know, would hang out in the background and be like, hi. <laughs> Are you sure you really want to buy something? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll check you out. I mean, Alice Cooper came into my store whenever he played in town that year. Uh-huh. And I was just like, so shy that I couldn't, I mean, he was like, so I do this show. And I was like, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> like, I know who you are. I, I know I'm a weird little goth girl. <laughs> yeah. Clearly. So, I mean, I did have him sign this little skull thing that I had in the back and all that, but, but I was like, now, if he came into my store, I would be like, hey, <laughs> Hello, Alice <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to talk to you and have a conversation and learn about you. But then I, I was, I was, no, I couldn't do that. So I think that instilled a lot of confidence in me to be able to come back and do bigger and better things, okay. like to open myself up to meeting new people. Because I was, I was kind of stuck when I was here before, you know, I had my friend group, mm-hmm. which I think in Amarillo was... A big thing. People have like this group of friends and they never travel outside of it. And so you end up dating somebody that dated your ex that dated their ex that, you know, I yeah, mean, there's yeah. a lot of not inbreeding, but you know what I mean? Like <laughs> people have their own circles and those are pretty tight circles. Yes, they yeah. are really tight circles and there's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, there are so many people outside of that circle that I have met now mm-hmm. that I never would have met. I don't think if I hadn't taken that journey because I was so just stuck in my in my circle and uh and was happy there at the time um and there's just so much more there's i mean amarillo is very diverse if you get out of your comfort zone mm-hmm. and and experience it and i love that like and i think it's becoming more diverse and i'm happy about that so when i moved back i got a job like through a temporary agency that's how i went um <laughs> So I worked at Men's Warehouse and I worked a couple of other little, you know, places here and there. And then uh, she called and said they had an opening at Boys Ranch in the dining hall Hmm. to do paperwork, to work in the office part, not, you know, serving food and stuff. So I went out there and met the director and she was fantastic. And I started working for her. It was supposed to be a temporary thing. And I worked out there for three years, four years, something like that. And it was, that was a great experience. I loved it out there. It's, I mean, it's a beautiful campus and the kids were great and I loved what I did. Mm-hmm. I got to learn a lot of stuff because I went into food service and I knew nothing about food service, Yeah. but the director had faith in me that I could learn it and she taught it to me and it was, it was a fantastic thing to know. So, you know, just having... I guess having those relationships where people like believe in you yeah. was, it was yeah. so important to me. Um, cause it, I didn't have that kind of growing up. I was like, you know, when I would start something as a kid and I wasn't good at it, they were just like, yeah, try something else. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like, we know Let you can do you. this. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh yeah, you're not good at that. Maybe, maybe something else. Um, like my, my favorite thing as a child, like, I, I thought I was a great singer. You know, you have this question, like, what do you think you're good at that you're not really? And when I was a kid, it was singing. Mm-hmm. I thought I was a really good singer. And then 
um, I was in choir class one day and they had these, you know, you had to go in this little booth and they would see what range you were yeah, in and all yeah. that. <laughs> well, I went in the little booth and I started singing and I came out and my choir director said, have you ever thought about doing art? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, left choir and mm -hmm. went into art, which I wasn't very good at either. <laughs> but, you know, it was one of those moments in my life where it's like, oh, wow, I'm really not good at that. <laughs> and uh, it kind of stuck with me. And I thought, you know, as I got older and had kids of my own, I thought if somebody told me that my kid that I would be livid, yeah. you know, like yeah. don't squash my child's dreams like that. But but there is something to maybe not squashing a child's dreams, but saying, <laughs> okay, here's a place where you could improve. Yes. And here's how you can improve. Yes. And that, like, you know, constructive criticism, yeah. I can take that all day long. But just say, mm, yeah, maybe try something else. <laughs> I don't think that was the best way to go. But whatever. So the, the Boys Ranch thing. The Boys Ranch thing. It lasted about four years? Uh-huh. And it was awesome. Um, then my director left. And so I left. You know, it was one of those kinds of things. We had a really close relationship. Mm -hmm. And um, so... We kind of left at the same time, um, and then I started working for Workforce Solutions. Okay. Also through the temp agency, yeah. and I ended up staying there for six years. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with going through a temp agency to get yeah. a job. <laughs> well, and especially if you are good at a lot of different things, you want exposure to a lot of different businesses and Definitely. careers. I mean, you figure out what you're good at. And yes, and and a lot of times they get you in some place that you never even thought about, mm -hmm. like... I'd never even heard of Workforce Solutions. Like, it was the employment agency at one point, but that's not what they are now. But, you know, I never really knew exactly what they did. And it was, that was, I loved working there too. I mean, there's a great group of people there that really cared about helping people, like with their childcare and, and getting jobs and keeping jobs. Mm -hmm. And so made some lifetime friends there too. You know, it was, it was a great experience, but I think really it was one of those things that, you know, I got it as a temp job thinking, yeah. you know, I'm going to work here a little while and move on because this is not really my world. And it wasn't, but I was pretty good at it. Mm -hmm. So I stayed there for a while. And, uh, but then during the pandemic, it was like, Hmm, is this really what <laughs> I want to do for the rest of my life? You yeah. know, is this my passion? No, it's not. And I think that's one of the things, the good things that came out of the pandemic maybe is that people realize that life is completely unpredictable and you should probably do what you love doing. Yeah. Uh, I think that's why there's so many bakers now. and you know, <laughs> so, Yeah, like a lot of <laughs> there's unique lot small of, businesses. Yes, a lot of, of them have popped up. And I think that might be part of the reason why is mm -hmm. because people were able to step away from what they thought they had to do and do what they wanted to do right. and, and then realize that maybe this was what they needed to do for a living. And uh, So what was the timeline with, um, with leaving Workforce Solutions and the pandemic and then deciding you wanted to start Antiques? Let's see. So... Pandemic started in what? March. March. 2020. Yeah. So March, uh, let's see, we went back to the office, I think June-ish, but it was just different. You know, mm -hmm. you couldn't have, I worked in the uh, employer services side. So we went out to 
businesses and talked to employers and to try to get them to hire people that we were working with and things like that. So there was no more of that. There was no mm-hmm. more in-person things. And it was just answering phone calls and and talking to people about problems and not being able to solve those problems. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody comes to me with a problem, my first intention is like, I want to solve this problem for you, <laughs> which is not good. Um, or at least try to help them help themselves solve the problem. And, and in this case, there was just so many, you know, people were all of a sudden out of work and they had nothing yeah. and, and it was heart wrenching and I couldn't do anything. And, and it was, it was just too much. So one day, probably August, I was really frustrated and I, so my, my frustration, the way I, I would deal with it at work was I would leave and go to Sonic and get a vanilla Coke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I went to Sonic and got my vanilla Coke and it's like, I'm just going to drive around for a little bit, try to clear my head, try to make myself not want to just drive off a cliff. And so I was driving and I drove down 6th Street and I was like, there's my old building where I had my shop before. Like, and it's just sitting there and nobody's doing anything with it. It I was wonder, vacant at the time? Yeah, mm-hmm. it was just sitting there. And uh, so I was like, I'm just going to go and call the girl who owns it and see what's going on with it. Yeah. So I went back to the office, got busy for a little while, and then remembered that I was going to do that. And I called her and she said, oh, did you see the for sale sign. And I said, no, there was no for sale sign when I drove by. And she said, well, I just put it out like 30 minutes ago. Oh, wow. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, well, let's talk about that. So um, so I went and talked to her and like that day decided this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, hmm. I'm going to get back into it, um, which I had not, you know, really bought or sold anything since I left in 2006. Yeah. So <laughs> it was, but I always loved that. And it was always one of my things like, oh, when I move, you know, when I stop working at Boys Ranch and get a job in town, I'll have enough time that I can buy some stuff and put it in a booth somewhere and just do that. But it was, it never, you know, that's really more work than that. It's not as easy as people make it out to be. So that was August. That was August. So September, I really made up my mind that mm-hmm. I was going to do it. Bought the building. Um, that really didn't go, you know, it was one of those things that kept getting pushed farther and farther back. So finally, like November 1st, I think, I took possession of the building. Okay. And uh, December 19th, we kind of had a fake grand opening. Mm-hmm. Just a, we wanted to sell some stuff before Christmas. So just kind of opened and, you know, word of mouth kind of a thing. And uh, so between... September and December, I bought all the stock for the okay. store. <laughs> I, so I, I want to know how you did that. So for people that are not in the antiques world or use books, I mean, you've got, you're not just antiques. There's a lot of stuff in there. Um, how do you do that? Like, like, where do you go to buy all of your inventory? I go wherever I can, but I decided I didn't really want to have an antique store. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have a bookstore. Okay. Um, my mom had always wanted to have a bookstore. I always wanted to have a bookstore. I love, like, bookstores are my thing. If I go to another town, that's where I want to go. I want to yeah. go to, the, like, the small locally owned bookstore and see what's going on because I think that's kind of like the heartbeat of the community, you know? And uh, 
And so that's what I wanted to be. And I wanted to open in San Jacinto mm -hmm. because there is not really any place to buy books. Right. I mean, there's some antique stores that carry books. That have books, a few little have, selections. Know, yeah. But I, wanted, I didn't really want to start a store. I wanted to start a community. Hmm. And so I, okay, so back to buying the inventory. Uh, I went to estate sales, garage sales, auctions, anywhere I could think to find things because I needed them right now. You yeah. Know? <laughs> and um, my philosophy behind stocking inventory is I'm going to buy what I like. Right. And because it's my store. Mm -hmm. Like before, it was an antique mall kind of and thing. You were trying and trying to was, appeal to antique shoppers. Yes. Yeah. And, and I had booth renters and they had their stuff. And so it was like an eclectic mix of everything. And I didn't want that. I wanted my store with the things I wanted to sell <laughs> because I wanted to be selfish for once. Um, but it's so far it's worked. Like, and that, uh, that is one thing I wanted to ask you about because it does have like your store has a vibe to it. That's different from a, the rest of the shops on sixth street, Thank different you. from most antique stores <laughs> and you go in it and it's, it's, it's kind of spooky. It's got, you know, some, <laughs> um, you know, some real quirky kinds of things. And it, it, it's a personality that you don't often see in a shop along those few blocks of sixth. Um, and so I, I think that's an interesting perspective because a lot of people go to, into it. They're like, okay, I want to sell the most stuff to everybody. I want to have something for everyone. And you didn't. You said, I just want to do something that's what I like. Mm -hmm. And I think that has attracted a community of like-minded people. And it that's has. why it's been, you know, that's why people are talking about your shop. It has. And I've been surprised really by how many like-minded people there are yeah. in Amarillo that are like, yes, this is what we needed. And I was like, well, why didn't anyone ever do it? You mm -hmm. know, because whenever I would go to to like Austin or places like that and visit things that I always searched out the quirkiest stores to go yeah. to. And, and that was fun to me. And, and I just felt like Amarillo needed something kind of quirky. How would you describe the attitude or personality of your shop? Okay. So when I, when I put that quirk into a, a category, <laughs> how do you categorize quirk? <laughs> Well, I mean, tell it's, me about the things that attract you then. Like, um, what are the things that you're you're out shopping? You're like, oh, okay, that's perfect yeah, for my I'm, store. I like, I just, uh, it's like the weirder, the better. I like bones and rocks and, you know, I'm a very earthy kind of a person. So I like that kind of stuff. And, and not in a morbid way. Like, I'm not really a morbid person. Maybe I am. But I don't think that I am. Um, but I have... You know, I know that death is a part of life. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, the minute we are born, we start to die, right? <laughs> I mean, that's just how it is. Um, and I think it's important to have things in your life that remind you of that. Okay. Like in the Victorian era, you know, they had memento moris yeah. that, that people would hold on to to remind them to enjoy life because death was coming. Right. And um, I think for a long time, we kind of got away from that. Because people wanted to focus on life and nobody wanted to talk about death. And I don't know. I think it's important to remember that, that life is fleeting and we should enjoy it. And we should just have fun. And I want to have fun. And I want there to be community and interaction with people. Because there are a lot of very unique, very creative people in Amarillo that people don't know about. Mm -hmm. Because they're in their own little sheltered worlds. And I kind of just want to bring them out and 
let them meet each other. And I think that's, that's happening. And it's only been a year that we've been open almost a year. Yeah. Um, but I think we've brought together a lot of really interesting people that wouldn't have met otherwise. And that is what it's all about. Have you had, have you had any pushback to the stuff inside? Just some, some random person on sixth street happens to pop in and, and sees some books on witchcraft or some bones <laughs> or something like that. And like, okay, this is there. There are, I wanted some route 66 signs. This is not <laughs> Yeah. There are, there are definitely people that come in and it's not for them and that's fine. You know, there are other places that are, and that's perfect. I mean, we had <laughs> one little group of women that were on a tour bus once and, and my daughter was there with me and, you know, they walked in and kind of looked around. Um, one lady like crossed herself <laughs> and they turned around and left and, <laughs> you know, it was, it was kind of funny. I have to admit, but, um, because I'm not trying to scare anyone, no, you know, I'm no. not. It's a very welcoming place. Yeah, I mean, I want everyone. I mean, yes, I have books on witchcraft. I also have a lot of Catholic books, mm-hmm. and I have books on Christianity, and I have books on Buddhism and Taoism and and Judaism and, um, you know, Western history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everything. I have books on everything. So I'm not trying to cater to any specific person. I want everyone to feel welcome and so that's what I try to do. I try to welcome everyone that walks in the store, try to find out, you know, if they're local or if they're from out of town, if they're from out of town, what are they doing in town? Or are they just passing through? You know, I just like, I like to get to know people and hear their stories. So it's, it's really been a lot of fun just meeting all the people. You get so many interesting people on Sixth Street. I wouldn't want to have a, a store anywhere else really? in Rolo. Yeah. I, I, to to kind of close up this section, I just wanted to ask, you know, you you lived here, grew up here, um, and then worked here during a section. And then you were gone for a while, and now you've come back. I wonder if you could talk about how Amarillo has changed, you know, in your lifetime mm-hmm. to where it is now versus maybe where it was when you were a kid, where it was when you were working on 6th Street, you know, 15 years ago. I think Amarillo has um, kind of embraced the arts a lot more than they did maybe before. Like when I was growing up, I know there was things to do in the art world. There was the art museum, which my mom took us to all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, every time they had a production or something, we went to those. We went to plays and we, you know, and they had the symphony and things like that. But I felt like it was kind of for a specific part of Amarillo. It was for the elite group of people, you know, who, it, right. and, you know, the maybe felt was, a little bit inaccessible. Yes. It, it wasn't just, you know, art for the masses. Mm-hmm. It was, it was art for the art people. Um, and now I think, I mean, with the murals that are popping up everywhere and, um, we have several different, you know, smaller art galleries and coffee shops are displaying art. I have local artists in my shop. I mean, it's just a lot more accessible. And I think the creative people in Amarillo who used to have to go off to Austin or Dallas or, or New York or whatever are seeing that maybe they don't have to go away for them to do something. They can do some stuff here and, and maybe it might take them to other places too, but they can still be creative and be themselves here where, whereas when I was growing up, it wasn't very conducive to being yourself. (laughs) You had to leave. Yes. (laughs) Yes, because it was, I mean, there was a lot of bad things happening to people that were different when I was growing up, you know? 
For the last few weeks of the year, Hey Amarillo is using this space for a special nonprofit highlight, sponsored by SKP Creative. This week's nonprofit is the Refugee Language Project. This organization is led by the linguist Dr. Ryan Pennington, who was a guest on this show back in August of 2018. Now, Amarillo has a high refugee population, and the Refugee Language Project helps these communities integrate into the city without sacrificing their heritages. It helps them develop leaders within their communities and flourish as new residents of Amarillo. I love the work this organization does from teaching English to educating city leaders to training organizations that work with refugees. You can learn more about the Refugee Language Project at refugeelanguage.org. And thanks again to SKP Creative for highlighting them. Okay, I'm back with Angela Workman. Angela, this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. Eight Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum in Canyon. It's the largest history museum in Texas, and its collection includes, speaking of bones, its collection includes a grouping of rhinoceros, dog, horse, camel, and saber-toothed cat bones, all in a big pile that were excavated from a ranch in Hemphill County in 1935, and like the archaeologists and paleontologists still don't have a good explanation for why all of these animals died in the same place. Um, I'm really fascinated in that story. I hope we figure it out at some point. Uh, but you can see it at the museum. It's really cool. Uh, and learn more about that at panhandleplains.org. Okay, um, so this is a, a question I've been asking all of my guests, but I, I think it's really um, one that I'm, I'm eager to hear from you as a retailer and somebody who opened a new business um, but what's one thing the pandemic the past 18 months or so have revealed to you about local people? There are two things that that really come to mind, and that was the togetherness that it brought. A lot of people, you know, were in dire straits and a lot of people came to their rescue and it kind of brought all of us together. I know in our neighborhood, you know, we have backyard garages and nobody ever sees each other mm -hmm. but during the pandemic everybody was out walking okay. everybody was you know standing in their yards across the street we would you know all just stand and talk and that was the most community i have ever felt hmm. in amarillo was during the pandemic but also so much divisiveness <laughs> it's like we all came together but we all had to argue yeah <laughs> so um you know, whether you were pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine or pro-mask or anti-mask, it was everybody had to, it was like everybody picked sides and had to, I don't know, just argue and fight. And then and, as, a, as a retailer, you're in a position of being like the referee for some of those arguments. Yes, exactly. Because, you know, I had, when we first opened, it was masks are mandatory. Yeah. And then you would have the people that were like, well, I don't want to wear a mask. And it's like, well, you don't have to come in the store. Mm -hmm. and they're like, well, you can't make me wear a mask. I was like, no, I can't make you wear a mask anywhere else, but this is my store and I can make you mm -hmm. wear a mask in my store or ask you to leave. You know? <laughs> so you have to be nice, but I don't know. I didn't want to get in a fight with anybody yeah. about it, but I would have. <laughs> like i never want to be mean to anybody yeah. but if you but push me it. i'm gonna do it <laughs> what does this area have too much of traffic cones okay yeah traffic cones everywhere so much road construction i mean i know it's necessary but man so many orange cones everywhere and that's that's not <laughs> it's not an answer that i've had over the past like year or two but it was a really common answer like in the first couple of years of my podcast um, and I think when we were talking about it back then, we we're like, yeah, a couple of years from now, that'll all be done. <laughs> I 
it's still and here. And we'll be enjoying these nice new streets. And it's still in process. Yes. Um, so it's, I mean, at least the ones on that one part of I-40 are gone. Yeah. You know? yeah it's I just mean, moved it just further moved down. down. But yeah, I mean, they're just everywhere all the time. I don't know. It's probably a never-ending thing. Probably so. And, you know, we talk about, if you go through Dallas, how there's always traffic. Oh, yeah. And always construction happening. It's a never-ending thing. But, like, that's what's necessary for a growing city. And so yes. maybe we look at it as that's Yes, it's signs that we are growing. That, that we're growing. That and the 8 million houses that they have just put up between Amarillo and Canyon. Yes, that's true. <laughs> okay, so what does this area not have enough of? Communication. I think communication okay. is... Oh my like goodness. interpersonal like, or um, institutional? What kind of communication? I don't. I don't even know how to do it because, um, like, I always think that I'm on top of what's going on in Amarillo. Or I like to think that I am, and then I hear about things that happened two days ago, and I'm like, I never even heard about that, mm-hmm. you know. And um, there's some fantastic things that go on, and I just think there's so many media outlets now that it's hard. You know, you used to. There was a newspaper and there was three right. news channels. And so you did those th- those four things and you hit everybody. And now there's so, you know, nobody takes, no, I'm not going to say nobody takes the newspaper. People still take the newspaper, but not that many. And um, there's so many news channels and there's so many social media platforms and there's no way to use all of them. I mean, there there may be, but I don't know it. So how do you reach everyone? And I don't know that there is a way because you're always going to lose somebody, but I just feel like there, there needs to be some way to tie it all together or something because there's so many neat things that happen that I think a lot of people don't find out about. Yeah. How do you describe Amarillo to people outside this area? Um, I describe it as a a place that you have to want to be. Okay. (laughs) I think that's, that's good. Nobody's here by accident. No. Well, I don't know. I think a lot of people end up here by accident, but they don't stay by accident. Nobody stays by accident. Yes. Yes. You have to. I've heard so many stories, though, of people who, you know, their car broke down here, and 20 years later, they're still here. It's like, have you still not got enough money to fix your car or what? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) but you may end up here by accident, but, but you stay because it's a welcoming community. I mean, it really is. And and the people here make you want to stay, I think. Um, when you find your group of people and you find your community, mm-hmm. um, whether that's your church community or your business community or just your friends or whatever, um, there is, it's it's just a good community. It's it's a great place to raise kids. I know everybody always says that, but, but it really is. Um, I would not have said that when I was a kid. Yeah. I would not have said that at all. But as an as a parent, it was a great place yeah. to raise. It requires some perspective, I think. <laughs> yeah. Okay. As does everything. So you're a you're a bookseller. Um yes. what's a particular book that's meaningful to you? So my favorite book of all times is The Little Prince. Okay. Um it was my favorite book when I was a child and then my mom had read it to me when I was a kid, I think. And then I read it a couple of times because I was big into books when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I didn't like people. So I was a book reader because books were my friends. Yeah. And uh, and I still feel that way. That's why it's so hard to get rid of them. Like I have a huge collection at home that I will never get rid of because they are my friends. <laughs> and um, the little prince was especially my friend because he was alone on the planet. Mm-hmm. And 
he had to make friends with this fox, and, and I don't know, and he had to tame the fox so the top of the fox would come to him. And and it was it was a very meaningful story when I was a child, but then as a teenager, I found the book at a thrift store because I was a big thrift store kid like my whole life. Um, I found the book at a thrift store and I bought it and reread it at like 15 and it mm. had a completely different meaning at that time. Then when I had kids, I read it to my, that was the first book that I read to both of my kids when they were, you know, tiny infants um, and totally different meaning then. So yeah. I think it's yeah. one of those, those books that as you evolve as a person, it kind of evolves with you and shows you different things. Um, and it's just, it's a, it's a great book. Okay. That's a good answer. <laughs> What's your favorite local restaurant? Okay, I'm going to preface this by saying that I am not at all a foodie. I have the palate of a seven-year-old. <laughs> okay. So, um, <laughs> so, so you've sampled are... the chicken strips at every <laughs> yes every restaurant in Amarillo. Every restaurant in town. So um, my favorite, okay, I've, I'm going to go with two. I can't say one because I have two. My favorite place for like, light lighter stuff and sweets is the eatery on okay. six mm -hmm. because she is magical with i don't know butter and sugar she makes the best cookies in the entire world um and then when i want chicken fried steak which is my favorite favorite thing in the whole wide world which was the one thing i missed in la because you can't yeah. find a chicken fried steak to save your life um you go to young bloods Okay. Young boys. They have a very good chicken fried steak. Favorite fried chicken fried steak mm. by far. So, yeah. All right. What's your favorite local coffee shop? Theater 6. All right. Right down the street? Yes, of course. Um, I'm not a coffee drinker either because, again, seven-year-old. Um, but they make some good hot chocolate there. Okay. And, and it's just such a friendly, inviting place. Yeah. Like, it's its own it. community. There. Yes, it is. And I like being in the community with that community mm -hmm. and Kind of, you know, we, we share communities, so <laughs> I love it. Okay, and last question. When was the last time you visited Paladuro Canyon? Uh, we went the last night of Texas. We went this season. This then. season. Okay. Um, and I don't know, I love Paladuro Canyon. It's the greatest. And that venue is so magical, and I wish they had other things there besides just Texas. Yep. Like, I think it could be such a neat place just to go see concerts like yeah. anytime like, yeah why does it have to just be that? <laughs> that's come up on this podcast before that how great would it be to use it in the spring or fall you know yes, for some outdoor exactly concerts. it would be excellent okay that concludes the eight straight section of the podcast i like to close by asking my guests to endorse something so what's one local thing that you would like listeners to know about or to experience I'm going to, again, be selfish and go with San Jacinto. Okay. Um, not just 6th Street, but the entire San Jacinto neighborhood, which is a really huge neighborhood. It, it is, it's, yeah. It, I mean, it stretches from Western Street to the railroad tracks, mm -hmm. and from the other side, the north side of Amarillo Boulevard, all the way to Lime Avenue, so or Plains Boulevard, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> Uh, but there's so many great businesses in there, not just on 6th yeah. Street, but, but all throughout that neighborhood. And it's, I mean, it's a neighborhood that I think a lot of people have overlooked over the years. I mean, everybody goes to 6th Street. It's, it's very accessible to go to 6th Street, but you get off of 6th and, yeah. you know, people get scared. <laughs> and I would never want to see that neighborhood like gentrified or anything, but I would like to see it revitalized. Okay. 
but you can't take away its quirkiness. Like, no, that's... and it's it's got some of the most interesting houses in yes, the city. Yes, definitely. Uh, the There's some Sunset Terrace houses. part of the, yes. the neighborhood, and yeah. Yes, all of that. It's so wonderful, and the history of it, and I, I think a lot of times the history of that, you know, people focus on the downtown area, and the which is great because there's some fabulous architecture and and wonderful things that happen downtown and in you know the Clemens Eagle area and all of that stuff, but. San Jacinto has a lot of history that we need to save as well. I think it's important for our city. Okay. Angela Workman, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks to Angela for the interview. You can learn more about Ant Eeks at anteeksonline.com or just pop into the store on 6th Street. Thanks to Angelina Marie for editing this episode and especially to my sponsors, Lazy Boy Home Furnishings, SKP Creative, and Panhandle Plains Historical Museum. And of course, SKP wants you to check out the Refugee Language Project. This podcast exists on a weekly basis because of listeners like you and the local people who support it financially through patreon.com slash heyamorello. Heyamorello's executive producers include Jason Burr, Katie Linger, Chriselda, Barbara and Jim Witten, Jess Heredia, Corey Burns, Josh Wood, Patrick Burns, Wilson Lemieux, and Wes Reeves. This has been episode 225. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.